You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Welcome to Radio Free Oleander, a weekly show showcasing the best of 11.30 a.m. KZOM, Oleander, Oregon. Thank you for listening. Your hosts are D.B. Spitzer and David Heath. Here we go. Hey, everyone. It is Radio Free Oleander with Dave and D.B. How's it going there, Dave? I am doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty well. Things have quieted down a bit over at the cemetery. Uh, There's no one making a racket. Uh, We're going to be talking about that a little bit today. I'm a little bit nervous about some stuff going on around town. The mayor said some weird stuff to me. And other than that, you know, I guess guess as you said the other day, doing 2020 good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. That's that's my new that's my new saying. I, I'm doing 2020 good. Yeah, I take care of my goats, take care of my responsibilities. You know, I'm just uh, I'm 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 just gonna low bar. You know, and, and uh, you know, so, you know, self care is watching YouTube true crime videos, and you know, that's that's. That's that's my goal. YouTube true crime videos. Uh, any specific uh, true crime stuff you've been looking up specifically? Uh, like, what's your wheelhouse? Are you like more mass murders, serial killers, missing people? You know, missing people. Okay. But then it bothers me if we don't know what happened to them. Yeah. Uh, but no, we really ought to do something. Maybe uh, especially a national forest nine one one. I don't know if you ever heard that theory. No. So it's this theory that a lot of people disappear in forests. Okay. Well, and, and, well, duh. You know, people you know fall off trails. They have strokes and stuff. But since we don't really have a base of what a normal disappearance is, mm-hmm. this guy wrote a book. He said this is way too high. Now, disclaimer. The Oregon Triangle does seem to be very high for disappearance. Sure. But but so he documented all these disappearances. Um, but he says, you know, this is just way off high from what should be the base. Mm-hmm. The, the problem with that is we don't know what the base should be. You know, that and uh, if I ever did commit a crime, I, I'd know how to what to do to get not caught. But then again, <laughs> all those people on the videos, uh-huh. they got caught. So, you know, you, you can't do what they do or you get caught. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I, I hear you can't use the trick where you uh, bury someone standing up and then put an animal like a foot above their corpse. Uh, you know, apparently they do that in movies now and that trick has yeah, been, been tr- ruined. Tr- true, st- true story. <laughs> true, true story. Uh-huh. I, I heard that. I, and, and, and I wasted an hour. Figuring out how could you dig a six foot deep, one foot by one foot hole? Uh-huh. What would you use? How I mean, how can you get the shovel down there to dig a, a vertical hole? <laughs> uh, I spent an hour yesterday trying to figure that out. Yeah, you know, um, because I, I I saw it on a true you know a true crime video. I suspect that I'm going to get a wellness check from the Oleander PD. <laughs> but yeah, I, I spent, how do you you have to you have to use like post hole diggers, I guess. Because I was going to say I, I, you're looking up the wrong information. Uh, you're you're. How to dig a well? <laughs> the, the, that's it. I, you, you need post hole diggers, or or you, you need you know attachment on the back of your a well digging uh, drill uh, on the back of your uh, tractor. Yeah, I guess. I guess I uh, don't really go into that. I, <laughs> I try not yeah, to I just, I just think spent that an hour trying it. to figure that out. <laughs> Well, if well we've lost most of our listeners. Nah, nah. No, no, they're, they're, they're waiting to hear out what kind of true crime I like. And uh, I, I really like kind of like the old-timey kind of like uh, true crime that we kind of know or don't kind of know, but it's like so long ago that it's like we don't have to worry about the bloody benders or uh, whoever killed uh, the family at the Hinder Kaifek murders or uh, I don't know. I, uh, v- v- vintage, vintage Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, I love that kind of stuff. Uh, vintage Hollywood involving cults, uh, stuff like mm-hmm. Love Pass, and you know, I, I like, I like weird true crime. Big shock. The Black Dahlia. <laughs> you know what? Uh, that's a legitimate. That's a legitimate source of history. Or a study oh, yeah. of history. Oh yeah, yeah. 
yeah, no, it's 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 grisly ghoulish stuff that I don't know. I'm been drawn to since I was a kid. Watch <laughs> stuff like unsolved mysteries, but yeah. <laughs> so 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 you want to take this on? Well, so we're going off, and you can delete this. Oh, but sure. since we're talking about people in vintage mysterious death, sure. You know who Jack Parson is? Jack. Parson. Is that the rocket guy? Yes. <laughs> I know who yes, Jack Parson is. Yes, he is the is. only black magician to have a crater of the moon named after him. Yeah. Editor's note. When Dave says black magician, he means a practitioner of the black arts, not necessarily someone of African descent. If you would like to find out more about Jack Parsons, go to your local library or uh, track down uh, the drunk history episode involving Jack Parsons. It's 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 amazing. So he also so he was self-taught, and he apparently some he claims to have summoned the devil. Yeah, and he said quite literally, "Well, it scared the hell out of me." So he went towards other kinds of magic, and he had a friend, and his friend. Is was named uh, Fater H. All right. Um, that was his name. Uh, do you know who he is? No. Uh, he wrote. Uh, he was a, a pulp fiction writer. Yes. Uh, named L. Ron Hubbard. Oh yeah, no, no, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know where this <laughs> so, is going. <laughs> so, yeah. So Parsons and, and L. Ron Hubbard decided they were going to go out in the Mojave, and they were going to summon the uh, Whore of Babylon. Yes. And that they were going to basically this this r- red-headed girl and that they were going to basically use drugs and have sex until Christianity disappeared. Open the gates of perception. Yes. Uh, in the, I think it's the era of Horus. Yes. Um, and a couple of weeks later, this, this red-headed girl shows up. And... So Jack Parsons' uh, wife, kind of, um, who um, all of her, uh, I mean, Alistair Crawley mm-hmm. called this woman a, an emotional sexual vampire. Okay. Do you know what type of grainy person you have to be for Alistair Crawley to say that you are an emotionally sexually draining vampire? He's just jealous that he doesn't have a crater named after him on the moon. <laughs> yes, he is. And, and so, but so the, the his wife, uh, Parsons' girlfriend gets so sick and tired of this, uh-huh. she runs off with Elrond Hubbard. Yeah, yeah. And so they're 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 stealing Jack Parsons' boat. And Parson finds out about it, and he races to, I think it was the Long Beach or the Laguna Harbor, and he sees there's the boat. It's 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 taking off. So what does a rejected dark wizard do? He goes to a hotel room, and he starts praying to these storm elementals. And what would happen? But a storm hits their boat, snaps the mast. And Hubbard and uh, Parsons, you know, I, I can't remember if they were married at the time, um, had to be rescued by the Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. Um, but they still left. Um, but back to the sort of the true crime mystery part, um, Parson died in a mysterious explosion. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people think, well, it was the government. And, and, and honestly... What Parson did, he was self-taught. What he he basically formed JPL, yeah, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, mm-hmm. and what he did for solid fuel booster rockets, it it, it can't be understated. Yeah. He pushed the American space race ahead greatly, but he lost his security clearance because he was a wizard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he was uh, keeping rocket fuel, unstable rocket fuel, and it blew up his yeah. house. Yeah, no, no. I, 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 I really think that the United States government kind of was on the right track by taking away the uh, clearance of a uh, 
known, known sex wizard who was an LSD enthusiast uh, who was keeping solid rocket fuel in his house. I, I think that that might have been a good call by national security. So. Well, yeah, could have been. But you know what? If you're open about if you're open about it. You sure. can't be blackmailed by the commies. Yeah, very true. Very true. <laughs> yeah. So, so okay. So we completely digressed on that story. Oh yeah, yeah. Hey, just a ten minute detour. Um, yeah. So, I've something I've been wondering about there, Dave. I've I've been kind of worried about this. At first, I thought I was being stalked, and now I'm like stalked. Stalked, like not being like, stalked, like 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 like, like, uh, like an ex lover. Uh, I don't know. Um, it. Huh, no, no, definitely not. Um, but at first I thought I was being stalked, but then I realized that it's just kind of this weird thing. I'm seeing scarecrows everywhere I go now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it, for the hardest days. Oh, it's yeah, September. So, so, it's September, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's, a, <laughs> that's an oleander tradition. So, in fact, if you come over to the farm, uh-huh. you know, I, I have, um, you know, I made this. Everybody makes scarecrows. Okay. And, and in fact, if you come over here, you can see mine. Uh, mine, you know, uh, I have Jedi robes on it, and, and I got a, like a cheap lightsaber. And so, you know, I've got a, a Jedi. So, yeah, everybody does. It's kind of like, you know, people decorate their house for Halloween's type yeah. things. Okay. It, it's the same thing here. And then when come harvest day, you know, it's kind of a lot like Halloween where everybody will come to everyone's house. And then you're like, you know, if you grew things like tomatoes or you made candy or cookies, you, you hand it out. Okay. So, so yeah, no, I, I, I get it. If you, if you weren't used to this, I mean, even the first year, I thought it was creepy the first year. But, yeah, you, you're, you're going to see scarecrows all over the place. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the, and, and especially especially since you know a lot of people work in the daytime. Yeah, they like they put them up at night. You know, it just makes sense. And then all of a sudden, it's, it's the sun's rising, and all of a, there's a scarecrow. You know, in the you know the, the park that wasn't there before. Yeah, no, no, because I well, and also I think with everyone staying home, everyone had time to make scarecrows uh, the other day, and I went to go from the cemetery to the radio station, and there's just like a scarecrow, and then another scarecrow, and then just another scarecrow, and there just kept being more and more scarecrows. It was like the birds, but I was like going, oh man, I would call this movie The Scarecrows. The Scarecrows, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah especially people people do it especially uh, uh uh, you know, at, at Glorious Resurrection Cemetery. So you'll, you'll see a lot of scarecrows, if not on the property, you know, on, on like the, the, the lawn outside it. Okay. Well, good thing I hadn't seen that yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and some of these people, they'll spend a, they spend like the year, as soon as they take their, well, see, what they'll do is, it depends, you know, on on how fire season, but people will burn them or or something. Okay. But the, as soon as they get rid of their scarecrow, or, uh, they're thinking about the next one for you know 365 days. So some huh. of them are just they put a lot of effort in it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, they're fairly ornate, and some are very kind of I don't I don't know how to say realistic, but like realistic looking scarecrows <laughs> absolutely oh man yeah. and some like, almost look like props out of a movie yeah no and uh some of our more wealthier uh residents of town um name starts with an o ends with a er uh using like i i, I think gertrude oleander's actually using one of the uh outfits from the wizard of oz I, I I don't doubt it. Or, or she um that thing belongs in a she, museum. It does. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I can't I can't go by her shop without looking out you know the window and just putting my fist against it. That belongs in a museum. There's you know she's um uh, she has a lot of money and she spends it on on things for her and her clique that you know that yeah she, should be. You know, in a museum or, or 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 maybe donating to charity or something. Yeah. But yeah, see, I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't have like the original, you know, scarecrow costume or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's there's there's some really nice, really really nice. It's it reminds me of uh, 
when I'm a kid or when I was a kid, like uh, going to like nicer neighborhoods to like look at the Christmas tree lights and be like, oh, wow, that was, that's really nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, from the, you know, from the, the uh, you know, the D&D games, uh, Darcy Stark. Yeah. Yeah. So she'll, she'll like, that, that girl's like a genius, you know, when it comes to mechanics. So she'll have like little flashing lights and, and, and it'll like turn and talk to people. And Okay. She's the one with the the, uh, the 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 drone, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And the brother, the weirdo brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack Sart. She works for a felony. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only reason I say that he's a weirdo is because he works for felony. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, 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 so Jack works for Jack. Um, you know, you bring a minion. Mm-hmm. He works for he works for um, Gertrude. Yeah. And then his sister works for her cousin, Felony. And so it's sort of a family rivalry between the two. Okay. I just realized something. When people are talking about Minion, they're also talking about Jack Stark. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. That makes Min- a lot Min- more sense. Min- yeah. That, that's Jack Stark. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Yeah, no, I was picking food up over at Oblivion's. And uh, there was there was some food there that said Minion on it. It was a stack of food. It said Minion. And I, I made a joke. And people are like, yeah, no, no, it's not a bunch of little yellow guys. It's one guy. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And nah, he's, he's Gertrude's minion. Okay. All right. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, speaking of Oleander, uh, we're going to talk about some folks in Oleander in just a moment. And uh, take a moment to pause for station identification. So hold on one moment and we'll be back. This episode is brought to you by Oblivion's Irish Pub and Grill over on 3rd and Park. Oblivion's Family Fun. This is Farmer Dave, and you are listening to Radio Free Oleander, 1130 on your AM dial, KZOM, KZOM. And, uh, okay, I just want to kind of apologize for that last hour and a half. No excuse, there really is none. I just... I'd been busy on the farm, and I, I really had not planned anything, so I was just sort of going off the cuff, and, you know, I was just talking, and, yeah, I was kind of talking in circles. So, you know, if uh, you spent the last 90 minutes with me and uh, didn't like what you hear, I'm sorry. Editor's note. Dave was referring to his show earlier this week that this is a segment from where he talks about the goats and the goat farm and what's going on on the farm and what's going on around near the farm. So, enjoy more of Farmer Dave. Drum and drum machine provided by Easy Pete down at the VFW. Thank you so much, Easy Pete. Oleander VFW, third and park next to Oblivion's. But I want to make it up to you guys. I'm going to make it up. Uh, I got a really good, I sort of, I've got a presentation for you for the last little bit. And... Then after me, you're in for a treat. So from the 10 to midnight hour, we are going to have our own, our own Betty Jordan. You may know her better as the bartender at the gun rack. She goes under the name Bouncing Betty. But she is going to be doing a presentation for two hours, again, uh, from 10 to midnight, in the history of Gladys Knight and the Pips, uh, focusing from the beginning to Gladys's uh, finding Mormonism. A very interesting musical journey. Uh, so please en- enjoy that. I think you're really going to like it, so stay tuned and listen after I'm over, and we'll see a very organized Betty Jordan present the musical journey of Gladys Knight from Motown to Muppets, to Mormon Tabernacle Choir. You know, that is going to be a treat. So let me make up for the last hour and a half where I just have not really been that A-game today. Miss Johnson was asked if I could use her piece in the show. She said no. She doesn't like Radio Free Oleander. She says it isn't a good show and that podcasts are not that great. The real reason she won't be on the show is the fact that Oblivion's Family Restaurant and Irish Pub is a sponsor. And and I want to tell you a story, and again, this is part of our The People of Oleander series, and it's not my story, but I've been given permission to tell it. So the story was told to me by Maurice Chambers. Uh, 
and it involves the entire Chambers family. Now, if you're driving down I-26 and you're low on gas around the Oleander area, you're going to pull off and you're going to look. There's only one gas station here, and that is the Dark Hole in Our Broken Souls gas station. And that is owned by the Chambers family. It is all black and painted black. Um, and the, um, the Chambers all wear black and uh, have eye makeup there. This episode is also brought to you by Paint It Black. Paint It Black, we're right next to Ace Value Hardware on 5th and Park. Paint It Black, we've only got black paint. Black paint, black dyes, black pigments. Everything you need to paint it black. They're, they're the heart of the Oleander. I would say the heart of Clackamas County, northern Clackamas County, not County of Portland area, goth movement. And in addition to, to running the town's only gas station, uh, they will often go to Glorious Resurrection Cemetery and they'll basically yell at the top of their lung, uh, dark poetry. And um, I think uh, DB, who, who moved in the house next to the cemetery, has often heard them. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think his family has been woken up by them quite often. But um, so there are five in the chambers family. Uh, Maurice Chambers is the father. And he met Cersei in college, and, and I think Cersei's real name is Cecily or something. I, Sissy or something. I don't know, but uh, she goes by um, Cersei. And they have three children. They have a 16-year-old son named Robert Smith Chambers, named after you know the lead singer of The Cure. And then they have a 15-year-old daughter who is named. Susie Chambers, and named after uh, Susie and the Banshees, uh, Susie Sue, you know, spelled like the, the tribe with the I-E. And then they have a, another son who, 12 or 11, I'm not sure his exact age, but he is, his name is Bauhaus Chambers. So these people aren't just goth, they are dedicated to the gothic lifestyle. And uh, so I guess I haven't completely kicked off my um, uh, case of unorganization that I've had for the last 90 minutes. So here we are five minutes into the show, and uh, let me introduce the title. So this is going to be uh, People of Oleanders, and the name of this episode is going to be called For Every Generation, and it's going to feature the Chambers family. So I was talking to Maurice Chambers a couple days ago and he told me the story and he said it was okay for me to, to say it on the radio so I'm grateful for him and his family. So he gets home from the gas station and his wife is just white as a ghost. Now remember, these are goths. She has white makeup and black makeup. She looks naturally pale. So this was obviously, you know, something serious. And, and it took her a while. It took him a while to get her to, to bring out what was, what was bothering her so much. And finally she said that she had been in their oldest son Robert's room. And it, she claimed that she was looking for something and that she wasn't snooping and... Maurice knew better than that, but he didn't push the point. And she said, well, I looked under his bed, and I found something. And Robert Smith Chambers is a 16-year-old boy. Maurice Chambers was once a 16-year-old boy. And he pretty much knew from the day that, that Robert Smith was born that there would be this moment. That it would be something. It would be drugs. It would be pornography. He, he knew that, you know, something was going to happen. That his adolescent son 
would have something they didn't want him to have. But he wasn't ready for the answer he got what the item was. So after a couple minutes, he calmed his wife down, who said that she had found an ABBA CD underneath Robert's bed. So their first reaction was, where did we go wrong as parents? I mean, Robert Smith was a good kid, you know. They had raised him up in a good gothic lifestyle. They had to have failed him somehow. What had driven their oldest son down the path of 1970s Swedish pop music. So Mr. and Mrs. Chambers, they get together and they say, okay, let's not bring this up right away. Let's let Robert Smith take a little bit of time and, and, and kind of come to us. So the next day, you know, so the next day comes and uh, Mr. Chambers is getting you know, his kid's ready for school, he's going to go to work at the gas station, and he notices that uh, Robert Smith is not wearing black. He does not have any facial makeup. He has no eyeliner. He is wearing a sort of green pastel polo shirt. And he just bites his tongue and he pretends like he doesn't notice it, because this is obviously just some face, it's just he's acting up, it's rebellion, he, he's, he's just wearing the shirt for, for shock value. Um, so he just, he, he tries hard, he just doesn't say anything. Um, and then of course he talks to his wife, and he says, okay, listen, you know, this is, this is more than a phase, she thinks, this is something that could ruin his life. You know, he could start getting involved in things like watching the CW, TikTok, or, or even joining the Young Republicans. So, she says, you know, so uh, Cersei says to, to Maurice, you're, you have, you're it. You're his father. You're the one who has to give him, sit him down, give him the talk. So, uh, so, uh, Mr. Chambers, you know, he leaves the gas station early, you know, he lets uh, one of his employees just take care of it. And he's there when Robert comes home. Um, and he's a little bit surprised because Robert comes home late and he says, you know, do you want me, do you want to tell me anything, Robert Smith? And Robert Smith, typical teenager, says, nope. And he says, well, you know, I noticed that you're going through changes. And he goes, no, just no. You know, the typical teenage answer. So finally he says, hey, tomorrow we're going to go to the Glorious Resurrection Cemetery. And we're going to go do our, our weekly uh, poetry slam. I want you to think about what you're going through between now and then. And I want you to, to you know, talk to me about it. And so, so Robert Smith, you know, tells his dad, no, I can't go to the poetry slam tomorrow. I have practice. Now, this catches Maurice, his father, completely off guard because he didn't even know that Robert Smith was in a band. And so he asked, well, you know, what type of music are you playing? You know, he hoping that he would answer, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing goth music. But then Robert Smith looks at him and says, I'm not in a band, Dad. I'm on the high school basketball team. And Maurice could have had a heart attack right there. And and he 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 blurted out the only thing you can think of, why? And then Robert Smith says, maybe maybe I want to be me, Dad. Maybe I don't want to be you. Maybe I don't want to be a goth. Maybe I'm sick and tired of trying to live up to you, rebelling against your dad. Maybe maybe I need to live my own life. And he stormed out of the room. Needless to say, the next couple days at the Chambers house was kind of tense. And Robert Smith did not go to the Poetry Slam at the Glorious Resurrection Cemetery. And, you know, his dad just said, why did I fail? You know, and he thought about it. Was this, you know, his 
goddness, it wasn't just a rebellion. Maybe it started out as a rebellion against his dad, Robert Smith's grandfather. Maybe it got intensified when he met a cute goth girl in college and they got married. But this was his life. And it hurt him that Robert Smith didn't want to be part of it. He remembered, he was, he was thinking of all the times that they had. He remembered that when he was 12 and Robert Smith put on his, his eyeliner all by himself, how proud a father he was. But he decided, Robert Smith is my child. He is my first son, and I will support him, and I will be proud of him no matter what he does. So he went to the um, Oleander High School basketball this uh, game. This was the first time Maurice Chambers had been in a high school gym, you know, in 15, 20 years. In, in Oregon, we vote by mail, so there wasn't even that reason for him to have been in a high school gym before. So he, he left Cersei behind. And he watched his son's basketball game. And then he realized something. Robert Smith was terrible at basketball. He, he was. Um, you know, the coach played him as little as possible. The only reason that Robert Smith was on that team was because there were only six other players. And if they didn't have somebody to give them a break, they'd all be exhausted by the end of the game. Uh, he didn't make a basket. He didn't make an assist. There was at least one time where he was dribbling and he lost control of the ball and it, it went out of bounds. And, and, you know, some of those other kids and their parents, they had no problem telling Robert Smith how bad he was at basketball playing. And, and Maurice thought about it. And it, it was obvious that his son kept doing this because... He loved the sport. And to love something and everybody telling you that you're bad at it and you should quit and should give it up and that you don't shouldn't even be there. That was the most gothic thing Maurice had ever seen. And he was so proud of his son. So the next day, Maurice is up early in the morning and he talks to Robert Smith and he talks to him alone. And he says how proud he was of him to keep trying in that basketball game. And then he goes on and he says that last night he had Googled the lyrics to ABBA songs. And that he did not like their upbeat, perky, you know, upbeat tempo music. But he was amazed about how dark their lyrics could be. How he was surprised that slipping through my fingers was such a, an ode to parents who had basically ignored their child growing up. How I saw it in the mirror was this song about this man who was in love with this woman who only with him because of the material things that she could, he could provide her. The morbid lyrics and move on, you know. What really makes the difference between all dead and all living things? The will to stay alive. Just how gothic those lyrics were. And then he asked, he said, Robert Smith, if we move back the Cemetery Poetry Slam a couple hours so that you could go to basketball practice, would you come and quote Abba lyrics? And at First, you know, Robert Smith was thinking, well, you know, this is just, this is just an attempt of, you know, the older generation trying to get, make amends with the new generation. But, you know, it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. And, you know, he did kind of like going to the cemetery and screaming out dark poetry at the top of his lungs. So, so he agreed. And at that moment, Maurice Chambers felt like he was the greatest father in the world. Again, I want to thank the Chambers family for letting me share this story. And you're going to want to listen to the next two hours. Uh, Betty is going to have this amazing story about the growth, musical evolution of Gladys Knight. 
And I'm going to sign off. And again, thank you for uh, putting up with me for the uh, first 90 minutes or so where I was so unorganized. I just want to say good night, listeners. Good night, Chambers family. Good night, Oleander basketball team, which is 0 for 13. Good night, Oleander. Hey, everyone. I hope you like that segment. Dave put a lot of hard work into it. Dave, thank you so much for all your hard work. You're welcome. And now you know what the identity of the station you are listening to. <laughs> yes. Hey, everyone, we're back. D&D on D&D. That's Dave and DB on Dungeons & Dragons. But hopefully not Dungeons & Dragons on top of D&D. Because a dungeon probably weighs a lot. I would think so, and a dragon, too. Oh, yeah, especially if the dragon's inside of the dungeon. Yes. Yes. So I, I started thinking about it, like... How would you use, uh, the scarecrows started making me think, how would you use, like, scarecrows in harvest festivals in, like, a fantasy campaign setting? And I was just, like, thinking, oh, man, like, I don't know. Like, I, I started thinking, like, you, you could easily do stuff with, like, uh, halflings and, like, halfling, like, uh, shirey-type places sure. and... You know, I can imagine, like, Harvest Fests being kind of, like, a nice kind of, like, letting you know that, oh, hey, everything's kind of cool right now. Everyone's relaxing. We're all having kind of a nice kind of quiet moment and, like, maybe pass on information before big bad guys come. Like, not, not necessarily, like, your main bad guy, but, like, threshold guardians or, like, mini-boss types who uh, come in and, like, wreck up the place and burn some stuff. I mean, I was thinking, that so, would be a good use for a Harvest Fest. <laughs> so that is much better than the idea that I had. Oh, what's what's your idea? So so, so I had this idea, because oh, I've seen all the scarecrows. Oh, sure, yeah. And so I was thinking, so I looked it up in um, uh, the 5th edition Monster Manual, mm -hmm. and scarecrows are, are a, a, a construct there. Okay. But it, it's kind of weird. So it's a construct, but where a hag or some sort of black magician mm -hmm. has taken the spirit of a demon okay. so it's not undead it's not demonic but it, so it has the demon but not necessarily so like kind of their maybe their personality tendencies maybe a few of their memories sure but not their sentience and their their first level their first uh, i mean character or challenge or whatever it is now first level um but so this is what i was thinking I was thinking, well, what is the enemy of a scarecrow? Fire. Well, yeah, but, but crows. crows. <laughs> so I was thinking a one-shot, the entire par party was Kenrus, uh -huh, uh -huh. The, the, those bird creatures. Crow people from uh, feudalistic, yeah, the crow people. Uh, feudalistic Japan-themed uh, RPGs, yes. <laughs> yeah, and th there I think it. I think it's Volvo's guide has them as characters. Oh, okay. And, and how you make? So I was thinking one of two things. You could either just do you know do a one shot and everybody just make up you know your traditional your your rogue your cleric, or make them start them all off have like say four players. Sure. Start them all off at third level. Make them all monks, but like a different monk subclass. Okay. And be like teenage mutant ninja type turtles, but crows. <laughs> and, and then, then they go in, and so, like to gold to these crows. Since it's gonna be a one shot. Sure. It, it, it's dried corn. So instead of gold pieces, you try to get pieces of dried corn. Gotcha. And you could go into the farm, and then the farm, you know, you could have. Uh, you know, hobbits or, or even humans with pitchforks mm -hmm. and, and use tridents. And then, um, you know, for goats, you could have fawns and then, at, you know, have a corn maze with a minotaur in it. Okay. So I, I was thinking that would be like a really good sort of one shot. Okay, cool. Oh, man, I was thinking like alternate, alternate, uh, alternate, uh, what do you call it, base types for... 
uh, scarecrows. Like, what if scarecrows aren't a construct? What if you make it so that your scarecrows are like, say you're a skilled necromancer, you don't make a construct. What you do is you basically dress up a skeleton in uh, straw and old clothes, put a pumpkin on it, call it a scarecrow, and terrorize the countryside, or even do that with zombies. Or if you're oh, really oh, awful, God. like <laughs> one of those like uh, uh, awful, like I don't know, fourth or fifth level undead things that I don't know, but <laughs> or, or, or like a golem. Or, yeah. You know, you, you, you got this party that you know we know everything. You know, we're, we're all we all read the books, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then so they think they're going up against like a first challenge rating, you know, construct, and it's yeah. Or you could even you could even it, it could be like rogues. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, was, I was I was thinking. Yeah, definitely. You could have like people dressing up like Scooby Doo. It. Uh, you could exactly. do like uh, something that's telekinetic that can like control things telekinetically, um, or even like a wizard using some sort of like unseen servant. But instead of an unseen servant, it's like ah, it's a scarecrow. Or, yeah. <laughs> and the other one that I was thinking of is what if it was like kind of like a semi sentient plant or like some sort of carnivorous plant that like could like get inside of like the scarecrow or something like that. Or like like a mutant pumpkin. Yeah. The mutant pumpkin. So the so there, there's like all of a sudden all the clothes and stuff burst out like vines. Oh, that would be cool. Or yeah, if you want to go like really horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean horrific. Like the pumpkins, like they grow out of human dead humans. Oh, so you got a, you got a human body and a, and a pumpkin head, and then vines coming out. Yeah, that would probably make some some sanity rolls. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just thinking of like other things. It's like uh, what are, what other uh, base class? I'm trying to think of like a, what that's even called in D and D these days. What uh, you call like uh, oh creature types or yeah, I'm trying to remember the term, but yeah, no, yeah. it's like. Um, or, or if you wanted to go humans again, yeah, it, it could be a cult. Oh, that's a good one. The, the pumpkin cult, or the cult of the you know the nature god. Sure. Yeah. Or uh, three goblins in a trench coat. <laughs> That'd be cool. On their head. <laughs> and, and, and like, like the. You know, if you if you wanted to do sort of comic release, like the middle one, you know, you're thinking you're going to be attacked, and then the you know the middle goblin punches the uh, you know the, the cleric in the stomach or something. Nice, yeah. Or has like a mini crossbow or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, those all sound like really good uses for uh, scarecrows, harvest fests. I don't know. Yeah, if anyone, if you have any ideas out there, if you're listening and you have ideas for like how to use a scarecrow in your D&D, F20, fantasy, science fiction, whatever. Ooh, man, Batman Scarecrow. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know that. We got enough know. gas in this town. <laughs> well, that's true. We don't need fear gas. <laughs> you know, and you know, I was thinking now, now, now my brain's stuck on, on overdrive thinking. Yeah, yeah. But so, you know, we think, yeah, I think it's, who's the enemy? The scarecrow, the crows, right? Uh-huh. Well, what if they were allies? And so instead of crows, it was like hawks or something or some some birds of prey that could come out. And then they, the, the scarecrows could control and they send out these big giant, you know, giant owls or giant eagles after after the players. Ooh, yeah. Or what about a farmer who has like a rudimentary magic skills or finds a spell book? And is like, I'll keep those deer from eating my corn. And like, animates a scarecrow, but doesn't use the right magic. And ooh, then you have some scary scarecrow stuck in the countryside. Peeking well, that would just, that'd be a great story. Eating babies. But yeah, no. <laughs> that would be a good story. That would be, that'd be, that'd be a, I don't know, pretty scary for D&D possibly. Depends on how you ran it, but yeah. Yeah, or, or you could you could do it as a, a, a Call of Cthulhu, or Ooh, you know, yeah. I, there's a lot of I think with with the warlock mm-hmm. character. I mean, D and D has always been influenced by the mythos. Yeah, but but I think they're really sort of showcasing that now. Mm-hmm. You know, there's even there's even in like alternate sanity rules, which you know I think willpower is better. But yeah, I think yeah, I think that. 
I think that horror setting D and D it fits, and the fifth edition fits it well. Oh yeah, I mean horror wasn't too terrible when they did it with Ravenloft back in the eighties. I mean there was parts of it yeah. that was like, oh, this is a little too. Hmm, you can't necessarily mix this kind of like hammer horror element with like this kind of like fantasy this way and expect like the late 19th century stuff to jive with the late 15th yeah. century stuff. It's like, oh yeah, no, 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 they totally have electricity. <laughs> That's they can make Frankenstein's all day and night. They've they've got electricity. Frankenstein's monsters yeah. all day and night. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, no, I think I think uh, you know I'm not sure if I ever ran a scarecrow in a D and D game, but I definitely want to in the next time I play. Yeah, no, definitely. That's 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 just like something that you can put out there that's maybe innocuous that people are just going to be like, oh, it's a scarecrow. That's just flavor text to let us know that we're on a farm. But then again, you could always be like, and then it moves, and then it moves again, and then it moves again, yeah. and it's over on this side of the field now. Or you want to really freak your party out? Sure. Lawful good scarecrow. <laughs> There's a, let's burn it. It's going to attack us. But it's got the clue that you need to, you know, to find the, the cure to save the, the princess from her death. Oh, yeah. Huh. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, that was a fun note to end on. Uh, that was D&D on D&D. We'll be back next week to talk about, I don't know, let's talk about constructs next time. That sounds like fun. Maybe, maybe carnivorous that... plants. That sounds like a good one, too. I think that that would be a great one. All and right. we're still working on an ending, but until then, may all your dice roll high. And um, uh, unless you're playing unless you're playing 2d20 and then may it roll low. No, no critical failures. That's that's, yeah. that's my guess. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> Don't roll a one. All right. Thanks everyone. Bye. It's me, DB, and for once, I have Dave here to talk about the book club. Dave's never on the book club episodes, but Dave's going to be in this little segment here. And we're going to be talking about Scarecrows some more. Uh, we're talking about The Wizard of Oz. Dave, do you have any uh, anything to say about The Wizard of Oz, or was this just kind of a... So, so I'm not really a huge, huge Oz fan. Mm-hmm. But but I will you know it's it's this major major sort of turning point in, in Americana literature, mm-hmm. absolutely. And, and when uh, you know you have the the People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, or I guess it was Black Clock Audio. Mm-hmm. I I did do one thing about the one thing I like about um, Wizard of Oz. And that is in the comic book Fables. Yeah. Where, where Dorothy was the female assassin uh, foil to uh, Cinderella, who was a, sort of the, the female James Bond of that series. Yeah. So, yeah, my, my, my entire, entire knowledge, other than what you guys said on, on the show, which I learned a lot, <laughs> yeah. you know, was Fables. I mean, I watched. I mean, I watched the movie, you know, uh, growing up, and but uh, yeah, that's basically my knowledge. Is comes from fables. All right. Well, just to let everyone who's going to be listening this month, it is going to be uh, the ninth book in the Oz book series, The Scarecrow of Oz, which is a story mm. about the Scarecrow of of Oz and. Uh, some wacky misfits going on an adventure across the land of Oz, just like it, all the it, other it's the Oz same, books. <laughs> oh, it's the same same scarecrow, right? Yes, same scarecrow. You know, I kind of, I never thought about this, but does he have a name? I think it's the scarecrow. The scarecrow. You know, the whole time. You know, you. It's like. Hi, I'm the human. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, hi, yeah, I'm the human. That that, that does make sense because you know the the Tin Woodsman has a name like Nick something. I can't. People are like, it's Nick this, but yeah, no. Uh, the Tin Woodsman had a name bef- before he was just the Flesh Woodsman. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So so 
Okay, I was just wondering. Yeah, he's the scarecrow. Yeah, the scarecrow. Well, hey everyone, thanks again for listening so much to this episode of Radio Free Oleander. Dave, anything you want to tell the people? Say to the people, how's how how are things down at the goat farm? So the goats are doing well. Uh, you know, it's getting it's getting time. We're gonna. Uh, we're about well. We're we're looking forward. This is about time we got breeding the goats, and we'll, in about six months we will have new babies. Ooh, cool! So, but uh, so we're sort of. This is the time where where milk starts slowing down a little bit. Okay. But uh, other than that, they're doing well. Mm. They they miss their tiara. <laughs> yeah, well, we're we're uh, we're working on that. We're talking to the folks down at the trophy store uh, about getting one of those, and the folks at Oblivion's have put together a collection to get the goats a new sash and a new tiara. So yeah, yeah for those of those of you who missed that episode, they they won the parade, uh, the the plague doctor parade. Yep. So, uh, but uh, somebody stole their tiaras. So. Yes, and, uh, uh, they're doing a GoFundMe for, for go, GoFundMe for the goat tiaras. Well, it's less of a GoFundMe and more of a uh, um, mason jar. A, 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 a goat fund. Me? A goat fund me. Yeah, no, I should I should call them up and be like, make, make it say goat fund me. You'll get twice as many. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. But <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, or a kick. And I was like, oh, man, you can't really make a joke about Kickstarter with, like, goats. Bucks. To, no. mm-hmm. Jump starter. Because <laughs> yeah. goats like to jump. <laughs> okay. All or right. Or but, ki- oh, what's that? Or, or, or Wait, one more. One more? Kid starter. Kid starter. Oh, yeah, I knew you'd have the goat joke. I knew you'd have the goat joke. Thanks again so much, Dave. And uh, we'll see you next time, everyone. And send in that stuff. Rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends about us. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Radio Free Oleander. Uh, 11.30 a.m. KZOM. Oleander, Oregon. And Dave, thank you again so much. Thank you, and thank you for listening. You're listening to KZOM. Oleander Public Radio.